The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I am so excited that you're with us, that you are veganizing your life, that you're saving animals, that you're feeling fabulous, and maybe you're listening to this while you're on the treadmill or out running with your dog. You're really going to feel like doing that after the first break when we bring on Rich Roll and his wife, Julie Piot, who have a beautiful new book called The Plant Power Way. You know Rich Roll as an ultra marathoner, which kind of means to me that he's made out of steel and I'm made out of whatever human are made out of, but I admire our athletes and our amazing people so much, and it's really my pleasure to share their life and their journey with you. And right now, I'd like to bring on somebody else who absolutely amazes me. And if Rich Roll is the man of steel, then Carmela Lani Giardina is the woman of cyber techno stuff. Seriously, Carmela is the vegan who has got the internet down. As one who feels like I could do an ultra marathon before I could conquer the internet, I am humbled and really, really happy to be introducing you to Carmela. She is half of the husband-wife team known as the Food Duo. Maybe you already follow them on Twitter at the Food Duo. They co-host, she and her husband, Carlo, 
hashtag vegan food chat. That is every Wednesday evening. So if you're listening live right now, you can do the, the Twitter vegan food chat this very evening. 8 o'clock Eastern Time in the United States. And this New York City-based pair are both Main Street Vegan Certified Lifestyle Coach Educators. And they are committed to making social media speak loudly for all animals and also for super delicious food with their wildly popular weekly chat all about sharing and learning while growing the vegan community. Welcome, Carmela. Thank you so much, Victoria. So glad to be on the show. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to have you. You and Carlo are seriously just setting New York City on fire for veganism. And I know that your reach is, is really worldwide with the tweet chat. So for people that maybe don't do Twitter yet or maybe don't do much with it, what's a tweet chat? So tweet chat, or it's called Twitter chat, um, so they're based on the social media platform Twitter. They're based around the hashtag. So, for instance, vegan food chat is a hashtag. And um, you can set up a time, um, be a half hour, an hour, however long you want, and people can have actual interaction and dialogue all around a topic that's tied to that hashtag. So, for instance, tonight on Vegan Food Chat, we're going to be talking about Earth Day and environmentalism. So, all the tweets that you will see under the Vegan Vegan Food Chat hashtag will be tied to that topic um, for the most part. There will be other people that may use the hashtag to share their recipes, and we're totally fine with that. Um, But it's about setting something around a topic, around a theme, and bringing a community together to have a discussion. Well, you've really done it. I've done a couple of, of uh, Twitter chats. I'm going to be actually doing one with you in June. I'm really looking forward to that. And it's really a different rethink. It's not only writing something really short, but it's writing something really short and relevant. How have people taken to this? Um, I was very surprised how quickly people came on board with Vegan Food Chat Um there's not a lot of chats that are out there that are based in the U.S., first of all, but that are on the topic of veganism. Um, right now, um, in terms of weekly chats, there are about four. <laughs> and wow. they cover different topics. There's one that's just called Vegan Hour that's based out of the U.K., and it's an open format. So people can just go and share their food. You know, they can share some interesting news that they found, talk about an event. It's really open. It's just for people to come together. Um, there's Vegan Recipe Hour. That's also U.K.-based, which is on Thursdays at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Every week, the chat host picks uh, an ingredient. And everybody's posting recipes based on that ingredient. Um, there's also vegan beauty chat that really hasn't been super active, but it's talking about beauty products um, and how to find cruelty-free and differentiating between vegan and cruelty-free products. And ours just so, really wants to cover different topics. Yeah. Now, I like that yours is vegan food chat. You're very clear. And I know that you and Carlo are both really foodies in every best sense of that word. You have a real appreciation of an understanding of vegan cuisine. So how does the cuisine play into, I know we've got the health, the environmentalism, the ethics. Where does the cuisine piece fit in? I think the cuisine piece fits in um, in regards to culture and diversity. 
um, not just with food, but within the people that are in the vegan community as well as the animals. Um, you know, myself, I'm, I come from a multicultural background and um, having my one half of my family being from Italy and my other half of the family um, being African-American as well as Native American and other cultures mixed in. And just being to appreciate food and tying it to my culture as well as learning about other cultures, that's great. But when you could take it to the next step and be able to talk about people and showing that veganism is not some elitist sort of movement, it's actually for everyone, that's where I think the role of cuisine and culture come in and play play nicely together. I love that. And I love that so many of the cuisines of the world already have this, this really amazing vegetarian, vegan food history that we can just tap into. I remember when my daughter was a little girl and we discovered Ethiopian food in Los Angeles and learned that they take Lent really seriously. So for six weeks of the year, most of the country is vegetarian. And then out of that comes all this amazing food. And it's the same thing that I've even learned just with, um, you know, my husband is Sicilian and my family on my father's side is from Naples and knowing that there are so many plant-based dishes that were out there that were regular meals, not something for special occasions that they ate because meat was considered, you know, a high price commodity. And if you had meat, it was like a sign of wealth, but most people didn't have money. And I found parallels on my mother's side of the family as well because they grew up poor and they didn't have real access to meat products. So they relied a lot on their, on their gardening. And they may have had like a neighbor down the road that had procured meat so they would trade. But most of their dishes were heavily based with vegetables. Well, I think that's one of the sad things now when the vegetables tend to be expensive. But I think with things like the vegan food chat and like with all the information we're all trying to get out there, this does not have to be an expensive way of eating, even here and even now. So, Carmela, I just admire your technological expertise immensely. How can just a regular vegan who doesn't feel maybe super comfortable with technology Use social media to help further the the vegan message. Oh, there's so many great great ways to do it. Um, I would say first of all is to try to find the one platform that's right for you. You don't have to be on everything <laughs> at one time. So if it's somebody that's new to social media and maybe first goes to Facebook. Um, could be just sharing some news articles that they've read on their Facebook page with friends, joining a Facebook group, um, interacting with a vegan businesses page. That's, that's a great way to start. Um, for somebody that may like to be in front of the camera, um, but may not be too savvy in terms of like, how do I send a tweet or anything like that? YouTube is a great platform for that as well. So all they really have to do is create a YouTube account set up a webcam if they know how to do that, and just film themselves for a few minutes talking about an issue that's really near and dear to them. So there's so many different ways to go about it, um, and the technology is moving at such a rapid pace. It's getting easier and easier that you can just do it very simply from a mobile device by clicking one button. 
and just getting a message out to people. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things that I know that for some people it seems overwhelming at first, but it's really just learning to pace yourself and not feeling you need to be involved in everything. You don't need to be everywhere. You just need to do what's right for you and communicate with those that you feel would be receptive to your message. You don't have to tell the whole world. It could be a small group or just one person. Oh, that is so comforting. And I love how you said start with one. I've always taken to Twitter. There's just something about it that makes me happy. And so I feel most comfortable there. And then that level of comfort gives me some more comfort than some of the other platforms where I'm a little bit less at home. So speaking of Twitter, you and Carlo are, is it at The Food Duo, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then to do the chat on Wednesday evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, you go to Twitter and then you do hashtag vegan food chat? Yes, but we also have a simple platform for users to join if okay, they feel okay. Twitter is a little too little too um, overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. We have a platform that we use called NURPH. That's N-U-R-P-H dot com. Um, you can actually go to nerf.com forward slash vegan food chat. It puts, it takes the Twitter hashtag and turns it into like an old AOL chat room. So if anybody remembers those, um, you can see people that are in the room. You can interact with one another. Um, we are actually rolling out a new piece, which will include video. So people can, can see us as we're tweeting and they can comment and it's a little it's a little more comforting i find it to be very warm and friendly as opposed to using twitter directly because um you see you're seeing people you're seeing the people that they're interacting with they're seeing it live they don't have to wait and they don't have to add the hashtag themselves the hashtag is automatically added for them wow n u r p h dot com fun Well, that's what I will do when I am your guest coming up in June. Thank you so much, Carmela. I just love how you demystify the technology that that vegan love just kind of comes through. Thank you so very much. much. All the best to you and Carlo, and we will see you on Twitter. Thank you. See you there. All the best. And everybody else, stay with us for Rich Roll and Julie Piott and their fabulous new book, The Plant Power Way. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, gosh, it's so exciting to be introducing... Well, for the second time on this show, Mr. Rich Roll, and for the very first time, his lovely wife, Julie Piat, who is a singer and a musician and a yogini and all these fabulous things in her own right, together and really with their entire family, they have four children, they have written the most beautiful book. You know, I'm an audible person, auditory person. We had a new class at this session of Main Street Vegan Academy about coaching techniques and working with different people. And the instructor was talking about how people have these different learning styles. And I happen to be auditory. I could just listen forever and don't need any other input. But when I am looking at a book that is as gorgeous as this book. I just so want this to be TV. <laughs> I just want to be able to say, look at this book. Look at these pictures. It's, you know, it just might be the perfect cookbook. And it is primarily recipes, but also lots of wonderful information, beautiful photographs. And it even is designed so that it lays flat and does everything that a cookbook is supposed to do. I'm kind of gushing, but that's how good it is. The Plant Power Way, whole food, plant-based recipes and guidance 
for the whole family. And in this case, kind of from the whole family. Mm-hmm. You know Rich Roll of the Ultra Marathoner. He was actually on this show way back at December 19th, 2012. So you could scroll through the archives and, and listen to that interview if you like. Um, Rich is a graduate of Stanford and Cornell Law School, a renowned ultra endurance athlete, best-selling author, full-time wellness and plant-based nutrition advocate, and motivational speaker. Very motivational. Plus, you got to get him to tell you some of his stories about speaking in some far-off and very exotic lands. So veganism is wanted in lots and lots of places. Julie was born in Colorado, raised in Alaska, and has spent decades traveling many paths and studying many traditions. She is a true Renaissance artist, a vegan chef, a singer-songwriter, a sculptor, a painter, a spiritual guide, and homeschooling parent to four children. I love that because I did that too. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Wow, Victoria. Hi. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. We're delighted to be on your show. Thank you for having us. And I actually, I have, may have a solution for your, uh, your sensory uh, preference. And that is in our, uh, nine recipe bonus download that you get if you pre-order the plant power way. I feature the, um, it's a, it's a cherry cacao layer cake, which is, of course, vegan and gluten-free, but it happens to be the cover artwork of my new album called Jai Home. And so as a part of our recipe download, you not only get the recipe, but you get a free download of the album. And so you could listen to my music and bake the cake at the same time. Okay. Well, I want to do all that. Where do we go to do that? Um, well, it's in the, in the pre-order, um, incentives. So you would go to richroll.com and then click to pre-order the book and uh, you enter your receipt in after you've ordered it and it will direct you um, to sign up for the free incentives and you'll be emailed this free recipe bonus along with others after the release date of the book on April 28th. Love you. Lovely. Well, I love you too. And it's lovely. It's funny that, that you're talking about this cherry cacao cake because I was talking about you all, obviously, in my newsletter that went out yesterday, and I shared your cherry cacao smoothie. Oh, how great. You know, there is a reason that chocolate-covered cherries have a life in the world. And now I think you- there is. I think that's Sanjay Gupta's favorite recipe that you shared, actually. Yeah, and he wrote your foreword. That's wonderful. So is he really plant-friendly? Yeah, I would say that he's, I would say that he's plant friendly and plant curious. I'm not sure he's, he's not, uh, he's tiptoeing around the edges. I think he's one of those guys that, that, that knows what, that knows that that's what he needs to do. And I think in time he'll find himself there, but he's been an amazing support to us. And he's, you know, very, uh, you know, very uh, enthusiastic about not just this book, but, you know, everything that we've been doing and, and he's really helped, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, expand our message. So we're very grateful to him. And he wrote such a beautiful forward with such kind words. So we were very touched to be able to include him in the book. Oh, that's great. I think traditionally so many of the medical doctors who have an Indian background because of that long tradition of vegetarianism have been more open to all this sort of thing. I mean, Deepak Chopra and just coming on along. 
So it's all good. And I always mm-hmm. love it when we have doctors and especially doctors who are something other than cardiologists. It's like, okay, all the cardiologists want to eat this way. Let's get everybody else on board. <laughs> right, I know. right, right. So tell us the motivation for this book, The Plant Power Way. Sure. So, uh, you know, my first book, Finding Ultra, came out in 2012, and, and that was a memoir. You know, that was my personal story. Uh, and it was interlaced with plenty of nutritional information, but it was hardly, you know, a recipe book. So, uh, you know, people read that book and they were inspired and they said, okay, I'm on board. I'm ready to do it. So what do I eat? <laughs> so it was the logical next step to put together a cookbook. Um, and, you know, there's so many amazing vegan cookbooks out there. Uh, and, and so Julie and I kind of got together and, and looked at all those books and said, wow, you know, what can we bring to this conversation that hasn't already been said? Like, we didn't want to just slap a book together and kind of recycle what's already available. And, and so what we realized was that we, we, we weren't sure what, what we saw under addressed was, um, a way to really just connect with the typical modern American family, vegan or otherwise, just your average family who knows they need to eat healthier, are interested in trying to uh, cultivate healthier eating and lifestyle habits in their children, uh, who just need you know a little push and a little encouragement and some tools and a little inspiration. And so that's really the idea behind this book. I mean, it's packed with 120 plus you know, delicious plant-based recipes that are super nutritious and will fuel my training, but also please the, you know, the palates of our children. Um, but they're not precious, you know, they're very family friendly. And, uh, <clears throat> I think that, that, you know, it's really, uh, an attempt to, to create this kind of welcome mat to say, Hey, you know, the water's warm over here. Come and join us and, and check out what we're doing. And here's all the tools you need to start to make the transition. You know, we're not placing any demands on anybody that you have to do it this way or that way. It's really a very kind of introductory piece for people who are, who are interested, you know, kind of like the Sanjay Guptas, the plant curious, but just need a little bit more um, you know, encouragement and, and, and resources. And if, yeah, you- and if I can add to that, I mean, you know, once we identified, you know, sort of this, uh, this need in the market, um, we, we didn't have a lot of work to do because, um, we were already living in this lifestyle. And so the book is a very authentic, um, uh, mirror of what our life is. And, uh, what we tried to accomplish with, with the book is to show aspects of our family living this lifestyle on a moment to moment, day to day basis with all of our creativity, with all of our individuality, with, you know, many, many, many different elements, um, and sort of, uh, invite the reader into our home and offer them a place at our family table to experience what it's like to live the plant power way. Well, I think you've done a beautiful job of that. And I was just reading in the book where you, Julie, were writing about that you're not a trained chef and and you taught a class and this big chef attended and asked why you chose a particular knife. And you said, because it was the closest one to me. (laughs) I love that. And yet the foods that you eat are several steps removed from the foods that most Americans eat. I was reminded of this this morning. I, I was in a, a clothing shop and, you know, talk came around to what I do and whatnot. And the woman was saying, but what do you do for butter? What do you do for cream? 
And I thought, you know, it's been so long since I've thought in terms of what I do for butter and cream. Those just aren't the kinds of foods that I'm looking for these days. So how do you make the leap from what most people are doing to these really beautiful and sometimes unusual plant foods that you're talking about? Well, I think, you know, it all starts with just a little bit of a reorientation in the foundation of what it means to cook. And, you know, I was raised, uh, you know, when I began cooking in my 20s, the kind of foundational elements were olive oil, balsamic vinegar, and garlic. Like pretty much, you know, that was kind of a base. And actually, when I started to shift into plant-based cooking, I actually was turned on to this new way of sort of seasonings um, by uh, actually a, a group of young men, some young young men that were yogis that were coming up in their 20s. And they were cooking with coconut oil and fresh ginger root and, you know, uh, just a, a miso paste. And like they, they just took that those foundational elements and just uh, showed me a new foundation. So I think once, especially when you're using my book, one thing that I, I'm very, very proud of or I feel like I execute very, very well is sauces. And sauces are, you know, very, they're very important because, you know, they flavor everything that you're eating. So if I was going to advise somebody on how to begin, I would say, you know, go to the sauce section and pick out one or two or three and learn how to make those sauces and dressing so that you have those under your, you know, in your, in your pocket. And then from there, I think it's just picking even one plant-based meal, it might only be once a week. Maybe you're a complete meat-eating family and this is very new to you. So it might just be even be one meal a week that you go, okay, let's go plant-based. Let's go to the farmer's market and let's all get involved and see how this works, you know, and start to get familiar with it. But I really feel that all of my recipes are extremely simple to prepare. Most of my recipes you can make in under 30 minutes. Now, there's a couple exceptions in there. There's like, you know, there's a couple that are a little more um, involved in that. But for the most part, the majority of the recipes, the recipes are quick, they're fresh, they're easy. And um, I really feel confident that even an inexperienced cook can uh, use this book and, you know, develop some very proficient skills in the kitchen in a short amount of time. No, I completely agree with you. And if you, listener, want to join in on the conversation, just give us a call at 888-558-6489. That's 888-558-6489 and ask your question of Rich Roll or Julie Piot. Now, I know, Rich, last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about superfoods, and you have some of those in this book, too, and they really fascinate me. The idea that there may be some foods that are just a little bit magical, and perhaps it's not that. (laughs) Maybe they're just Mm -hmm. a little bit more nutrient-dense than some of the foods we're used to, but tell us what a couple of your favorite superfoods are and how you use them. Sure. Well, superfoods are sexy. That's for, that's for sure. And they tend to get quite a bit of attention. Everybody is looking for that, you know, health panacea, that one thing that they're going to eat that's going to change everything for them. And so I would, I, I want, I would like to begin by just couching, you know, creating some context around superfoods. I think superfoods are amazing and they're definitely, um, you know, a big part of how I fortify myself and they find their way into, you know, a whole battery of Julie's recipes. But I think it's, uh, it's important for people to understand that <clears throat> if you're eating an unhealthy diet, 
you know, just adding superfoods on top of, you know, your standard American diet is probably not going to do <laughs> very much for you. Uh, you know, I, I look at them as the final 1%, you know, focus on the foundation and really start dialing up, you know, the nutrient density uh, of the foods that you're eating. And once you've kind of established that, then we can talk about superfoods because they are the cherry on top of the sundae, I think. But I love them. Uh, they're in lots of our recipes and in our smoothies. And some of my favorite are uh, things like hemp seeds, chia seeds, ground flax seeds. These are all very high in uh, in in uh, omega-3s, which are important. And that's kind of one of the arguments that, that gets bandied about to poo-poo a vegan diet, that you're going to be low in your precious omega-3s. But I think if you're eating these, these uh, you know, exotic seeds and putting sprinkling them on your salad or, you know, putting them in your morning smoothie, that that really takes care of that for me. Hemp seeds are also super high in protein and they're just fabulous. They go on lots of different stuff. I also like to add spirulina or chlorophyll to my smoothie. You know, the more green, the better is kind of my general rule. And I think my, my favorite one in the context of, of athleticism and performance is probably cordyceps which is uh, this bizarre kind of, <laughs> it's really a mushroom or like a fungal extract that has been used in Chinese herbal medicine for thousands of years, but it's been shown to improve uh, uh, the efficiency of oxygen utilization in the body uh, and the efficiency of your, your, your body's ability to uh, your lungs' ability to to take oxygen in and transport it throughout the body, which is very important uh, as an endurance athlete. So that would be a pre-workout thing that I would like to that I that I use on a regular basis. And these are not the cordyceps. I think are new to a lot of people, but everything else that you mentioned, you can pretty much get in any health food store and and some supermarkets. I mean, I saw a big ad for chia seeds in my supermarket just here in the neighborhood. So what was once exotic is becoming a little bit more of the mainstream, thanks to the great work of people like you. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about your family life and what it's like to feed somebody who can just run for a really long time. And maybe take your questions too, 888-558-6489. Stay with us through the break and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right. 
centered, and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. I will leave this world as it is. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things. As she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Rich Roll and Julie Piott, the husband and wife team who authored, authored, oh my goodness, the most beautiful, beautiful book, The Plant Power Way, Whole Food Plant-Based Recipes and Guidance for the Whole Family. You know that Rich is one of the 25 fittest men in the world. Oh my gosh, I would love to be one of the 25 fittest people in my apartment building. <laughs> Just, wow, 25 fittest men in the world. And his wife, Julie, is a chef, yogi, singer, songwriter, and they are the parents of four incredible homeschool children. Now, we're probably most of us listening to this show familiar with Rich Roll, familiar with Finding Ultra, his previous book. I want to know about feeding ultra. Julie, <laughs> what what do you fix for somebody who probably has caloric needs that most of us cannot comprehend? Mhm. Well, this is a re- this is a really good question and it actually um is uh, me seeking the answer to this very same question is what in fact um is what created the whole movement into becoming a vegan chef and creating these recipes. So the way that this came about is that Rich was training very, very long distances and he would just sort of leave out the door for eight hour training sessions and and then he would open the door back up and come back into the house and I would often hand him a child and say, Okay, I'm out. Like it's my turn. I'm going to, you know, create music or practice yoga or do whatever I was going to do. And one of the days he looked at me and he said, you know, you realize I just ran the better part of a marathon. And I stopped and looked at him and I thought, well, no, I really didn't get that at all. (laughs) I just saw the door and that I had no idea what he was doing beyond the door. So at that moment, I decided, I thought, wow, this guy is really trying to break through some, you know, boundaries with his personal, uh, you know, development. And I could really support him and really be of service to him by feeding him. So that began the quest. He would leave out the door and I would start creating in the kitchen. And I'm an artist, so I would 
uh, it was, it's always a very creative endeavor for me. And this led to us developing, you know, certain recipes. Then the kids would weigh in on it. And then the kids started to join in the family fun. And he really, really appreciated that I cooked for him. It, it made a big difference to, to him that I, um, you know, that he knew he could be out on a grueling, grueling day of training and he knew that he was going to have a huge meal waiting for him when he got home. So I think that maybe helped. Well, you've certainly figured it out. Now, I told you earlier that I was in a shop today and this woman was concerned about, but gosh, you know, as a vegan, what do you do about cream? What do you do about butter? The other thing she was concerned about when she saw the lovely cover of your book and I was telling her about it, she said, None of them eat meat, even the children. <laughs> I said, yes, even the children. And also threw in that my daughter, who's all grown up, is a lifelong vegan and works as a stunt performer. You know, we can really do some physical stuff out there in the world. But tell us about your children and plant-based kids that you know. How are they doing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that of all the questions that that we field on a daily basis, you know, the first and foremost always being where do you get your protein, as I'm sure you know and, and experience yourself. The one that is the quick follow-up is, is how can I get my kids to eat healthier? And for us, it's been uh, what Julie calls an evolution revolution. <laughs> and it's not, it hasn't been a linear process, but, you know, we have four kids and, and they, they run the gamut in ages. Our, our oldest is 20 and our youngest is seven. Um, and it's been, uh, it, it's been a journey with all of them and kind of navigating all of their personalities to find strategies and ways to connect with them emotionally so that they can get on healthier trajectories. And, and we can say that now they're all plant-based, um, you know, but that has, that has, you know, it hasn't always been the case. And so the book and kind of our advocacy speaks to, you know, ways to communicate with kids and involve them uh, in your kitchen and in your home and at the market to try to, you know, help them make this shift. And so for us, you know, the way that we approach it basically is we don't make rules about what they can and can't eat. We try to instill them with a certain level of sovereignty and empower them to make healthier choices to forge long-term sustainable lifestyle habits that will serve them in the long, in the long run of their life. So the way we do that is we use every opportunity we can around food um, as a chance to, you know, have an educational moment. So we bring the kids to the supermarket, to the farmer's market, you know, every food item, you know, everything on the shelf, it's everything is an opportunity for a discussion. Why are we choosing this food and not this food? Which foods would you like and which foods are we not going to pick? There isn't a single, you know, moment that goes by that, that doesn't raise a topic of conversation. And so the more that we engage our kids, in that dialogue, the more educated they become and the more self-sovereign they can become. And then when we come home, they're involved in every aspect of meal preparation from chopping to putting away the groceries. And from a very early age, Julie began to teach them how to make certain basic recipes. Uh, so, for example, a big one for our little girls was learning how to make chia seed pudding. Once they knew how to make a dessert that they liked that was nutritious comparatively, you know, to jello pudding pops, 
for example, then that's what they want to make. They like making it. They have fun. And, and there's a, there's a self affirmation and a self esteem aspect that comes with that when they feel empowered in the kitchen. And that just leads to one thing, which leads to the next until, you know, years go by and suddenly, you know, they're all plant based and, and they prefer the food that Julie makes because it's so amazing. And look, when our little girls go to a birthday party and they're serving pizza and cupcakes and, and what have you, we're not, we don't say you can't have that. We allow them to make their own choice and, you know, they're not always going to make the right choice. And, and when they don't, then we can have a conversation about how they feel and, and we don't shame them. You know, we're not trying to create anything that they can, that they're ultimately going to rebel against as they get older. We're just trying to provide them with the information and, and encourage them and inspire them to, uh, you know, to basically create these habits that will serve them in the long run. So it's less about the cupcake or the pizza and much more about, um, the long view. That's the way we've approached it. Oh, I think you're, you're so wise there. And sometimes just having that kind of elastic waste element involved means that you, you want to stick with what you know is best much of the time. I mean, I remember with my daughter, I would say, you know, the same thing, you know, you're, you're really free to do whatever you want to do. And I can remember her looking at me like I'd lost my mind and saying, why would I want to eat someone who is dead? And even with the homeschool, I know I'd said, now, you know, every year we're just going to see, you okay with continuing? Do you want to go to school? And one day she's about 13 and she said to me, why do you want to get rid of me? So I love the kind of, um, you know, okay, we're good. It's, it's uh, going along here working for us. Now, Julie, in your home with the food, you really started it. You had a healing and you did Ayurveda. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit of that history. Yeah, well, um, in my life, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was raised in Alaska on game meat. My dad was a big game hunter. And so my childhood cuisine was caribou, tacos, reindeer, sausage, and more salmon than anyone should eat in their entire life. Um, but that's, that was my experience. And, and I've always been sort of a thin person. Uh, so I've never struggled with weight. Uh, but, uh, in my life, I was given a, a gift, a, a beautiful opportunity that came in the form of a cyst in my neck. It was about the size of a golf ball and it was diagnosed as incurable, um, without, you know, short of surgery. So they wanted to do a medium, medium level surgery and cut, uh, some cross section of the bones in, in my neck out. And, um, I had been through a botched tonsillectomy as an adult when my 20 year old was like a year old. Um, I had my tonsils out and had a very, very bad reaction that resulted in me losing 20 pounds and being readmitted to the hospital. And it just was not a good thing. So when they said, yeah, we're going to cut your neck, I, my, my first thought, was, yeah, I don't really think so. I don't think you're getting near me. So I had been practicing yoga and felt a very deep connection with the yogic traditions. And I knew about Ayurveda and I had been sort of dancing around it, but not really ready to change everything about my the way I was living. So at that point I was, I had a little um, encouragement in the form of this disease that was in the front of my neck. So I uh, worked with an Ayurvedic physician and against everybody's advice, um, I uh, embarked on a plan regimen that included herbs and a plant-based diet. And uh, I had a little bit of ghee in in the diet, so it wasn't completely. But, um, you know, I was able to heal myself completely of this um, ailment in my neck. Wow. 
And Rich, was that the first that you knew about alternative health care and eating in a different way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I come from a very logic minded background and, and, you know, sort of my, you know, very rational thinking, traditional education and all that kind of stuff. And I'd never really been experienced to anything all that alternative. And then Julie came into my life and, and, you know, that just turned the whole thing upside down because she's always pursuing different modalities and has a more kind of expanded view on these things than, than I did. And, you know, when this occurred and Julie decided that she was going to take this upon herself to heal herself, you know, I, I, I was, I was supportive in lip service, but in my mind, I was thinking this is never going to work. Like, what are we doing? But, but, you know, I, I wanted to be supportive of her and it, it wasn't overnight. Like it took, it took some time for it to happen. And there were plenty of moments where I kept thinking like, when is she going to come to her senses and let's please go over to Cedar Sinai and have this dealt with by a surgeon. But when it happened and she did heal herself, that was very profound. And, you know, we've all heard the adage, uh, you know, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. I mean, Hippocrates said it in 340 BC and it had been repeated to me during my schooling years, but I can't say that I ever really thought about it that deeply. And in the wake of Julie's experience, like I really got that. And so that was just a seed that was planted in my mind. It didn't mean that that I decided to change what I was doing at the time because this preceded everything that happened to me. But I think when the time arose and I had the willingness to make the change, you know, I was reminded of what had happened with Julie and, and that kind of inspired me um, and, and made me believe that if I made some changes that I could have a similar, uh, you know, sort of health renaissance. It's so interesting. We never know who the person is that we're going to influence. And sometimes it's the person living in our home. And I noticed <laughs> among the many beautiful photographs in this book, there's one really stunning photograph where, Julie, you're standing beneath some stairs and, Rich, you're walking up the stairs. And that reminded me of the story that you tell in Finding Ultra when you talked about, I believe it was the eve of your 40th birthday, and you walked up the stairs one night and you were having shortness of breath and feeling like a really old man well the rest is history and there you are walking up these beautiful stairs in your uh, current remarkable state mm-hmm. yep it's the very same staircase ah. we're, looking, we're, we're sitting here looking at it right now as a matter of fact oh wow that's that's amazing now we have said before and i could just go on gushingly that this this book is really really beautiful and you guys are very popular. I mean, you have a podcast that a million plus people listen to. You're well known around the world. You could have self-published this book. And as people say who are into self-publishing, kept all the money. But mm-hmm. instead, you opted to go with um, Random House Penguin. Penguin Random House, I guess since the merger, I get confused. They're my publisher, too. I happen to love publishers. I think there are a whole lot of great reasons for if you do have the great blessing of being able to to publish with these people who really, really know books and love books. It's a great idea. Why did you choose to go this route? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And it was a it was a very difficult decision. As a matter of fact, I think there's 
there's great things about each. You know, I think that there's still things that are very positive and relevant about traditional publishing, but we're seeing the explosion and advent of self-publishing, and that's amazing as well. And with this book, our plan the entire time was to self-publish it. In fact, we designed the whole thing in-house. Uh, we, we compiled an amazing team of very gifted, talented people, and we created the entire book, and we were ready to just do it ourselves. And then we had a moment where we thought, well, maybe we should look at traditional publishing and let's see what they could bring to this equation. And ultimately, we made the decision to go with Penguin Random House. And the reason was, you know, we know that if we self-published it, that we would ultimately make way more money. You get to, you own the intellectual property and cookbooks have a long shelf life and they'll generate revenue for quite a long time. But that was not why we created this book. We created this book to try to impact the most number of people possible. And I think, you know, traditional publishing still is very good at, you know, distribution. They know how to push it out in through all their channels to get it into all the stores and expose it to the most number of people. And so that's why, you know, we made the decision to go with these guys, even though ultimately, you know, <laughs> it, it, it was not a financial decision. And, you know, we may self-publish in the future and, and most likely we will with other books that we're working on. But, I think also I wanted to, you know, I had the experience with a traditional publisher with my first book and that, you know, was very instrumental in, in helping us craft this audience that we're now blessed to have. But I wanted to help introduce Julie in that same, in that same way. And I think that will ultimately give her more opportunities and choices with respect to what she wants to do next. Ah, what a good husband. You lucked I know. out, Julie. <laughs> I know. I did luck out. Yeah. And, you know, it's true. And, you know, really we had to look, you know, we, when we're in this world of, of, of uh, being in service, you know, which is really the, that's the core of everything that we do. You know, we spend a lot of time really um, contemplating certain decisions and certain moves and making sure that they're in the highest divine alignment, you know, so we don't just make decisions based on business. We're not in business. We're in service. So when we just, you know, we were going back and forth and it was, you know, a pretty intense, you know, eight day period of negotiations. We had like a few offers on the table and yet we were still contemplating walking away. So it was the kind of this surreal moment. But then we looked at each other and we were like, if we can meet, reach more people in a shorter amount of time, if the, if the reach can be wider in a quicker amount of time, that's the highest divine alignment. And the reason for that is because the planet is in dire need uh, of some changes and meat, industrialized meat is, you know, causing just a lot of destruction to the planet that needs to stop. So we don't really have a lot of time. So, so we needed to step out into the market in a more expanded way. And that's why we are asking people to join with us and buy this book and order this book and pre-order this book and be a part of this movement and join with us to help get the message out quickly. Ah, amen. And in doing that, you will also learn how to make fettuccine Alfredo in a really, really healthy way. Kids mac and cheese based on butternut squash, homemade sauerkraut, lattes, tea lattes, incredible desserts, raw food, cooked food, superfood, wonderful, beautiful food from a couple of wonderful, beautiful people. The book is The Plant Power.
Power Way, Rich Roll, and Julie Piot. You can find them on Twitter at Rich Roll. And Julie is at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I, which is also how you can find out some of her wonderful, wonderful music that she does. And remember, too, our first guest, Carmela Lani Giardina, and she and her husband, Carlo, are on Twitter at The Food Duo. And I'm at Main Street Vegan. Doesn't that surprise you? What a pleasure. What a pleasure to talk with you both, Rich, Julie, and all the kids. All the best. May this book completely fly off the charts and on the bestseller list and do so much good in the world as you guys already do. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. We, we love what you do and it, we're so grateful for, for being on your show and also the beautiful things that you said because the work that you do is magnificent. Yes, Victoria. Thank you so much. Very touched and honored by your words. Thank you. We're in a wonderful fraternity. There are so many great people doing very, very good things. So, everybody, thank you for all the very good things that you do. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and our engineer, Jeff. And hey, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now in the silence to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, Your spiritual growth is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to live in joy? 
Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.